0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde As recorded by John Gonzales www.johngon.com Chapter 7 As he was sitting at breakfast next morning, Basil Hallward was shown into the room. "'I am so glad that I have found you, Dorian,' he said gravely. "'I called last night, and they told me you were at the opera. "'Of course I knew that was impossible. "'But I wish you had left word where you had really gone to. "'I passed a dreadful evening, half afraid that one tragedy might be followed by another.' I think you might have telegraphed for me when you heard of it first. I read of it quite by chance in the late edition of the Globe that I'd picked up at the club. I came here at once, and was miserable at not finding you. I can't tell you how heartbroken I am about the whole thing. I know what you must suffer. But where were you? Did you go down and see the girl's mother? For a moment I thought of following you there. They gave the address in the paper, somewhere in Euston Road, isn't it? but I was afraid of intruding upon a sorrow that I could not lighten. Poor woman! What a state she must be in! And her only child, too! What did she say about it all? "'My dear Basil, how do I know?' murmured Dorian, sipping some pale yellow wine from a delicate gold-beaded bubble of Venetian glass, and looking dreadfully bored. "'I was at the opera. You should have come on there. "'I met Lady Gwendolyn, Harry's sister, for the first time— we were in her box. She's perfectly charming, and Patty sang divinely. Don't talk about horrid subjects. If one doesn't talk about a thing, it has never happened. It is simply expression, as Harry says, that gives reality to things. Tell me about yourself and what you are painting. You went to the opera, said Hallward, speaking very slowly, and with a strained touch of pain in his voice. You went to to the opera, when Sibyl Vane was lying dead in some sordid lodging? You can talk to me of other women being charming, and of Patty singing divinely, before the girl you loved has even the quiet of a grave to sleep in. I, man, there are horrors in store for that little white body of hers. Stop, Basil. I won't hear it, cried Dorian, leaping to his feet. YOU MUST NOT TELL ME THOSE THINGS. WHAT IS DONE IS DONE. WHAT IS PAST IS PAST. YOU CALL YESTERDAY THE PAST. WHAT HAS THE ACTUAL LAPSE OF TIME GOT TO DO WITH IT? IT IS ONLY SHALLOW PEOPLE WHO REQUIRE YEARS TO GET RID OF AN EMOTION. A MAN WHO IS MASTER OF HIMSELF CAN END A SORROW AS EASILY AS HE CAN INVENT A PLEASURE. I DON'T WANT TO BE AT THE MERCY OF MY EMOTIONS. I want to use them, to enjoy them, and to dominate them. Dorian, this is horrible. Something has changed you completely. You look exactly the same wonderful boy who used to come down to my studio day after day to sit for his picture, but you were simple, natural, and and affectionate then. You were the most unspoiled creature in the whole world. Now I don't know what has come over you. "'You talk as if you had no heart, no pity in you. "'It is all Harry's influence I can see that.' "'The lad flushed up, and, going to the window, "'looked out on the green flickering garden for a few moments. "'I owe a great deal to Harry, Basil,' he said at last. "'More than I owe you. "'You only taught me to be vain. "'Well, I am punished for that, Dorian.' or shall be some day. "'I don't know what you mean, Basil,' he exclaimed, turning round. "'I don't know what you want. What do you want? I want the Dorian Gray I used to know.' Basil," said the lad, going over to him and putting his hand on his shoulder, "'you have come too late. Yesterday, when I heard that Sybil Vane had killed herself,' "'Killed herself! Good heavens! Is there no doubt about that?' cried Hallward, looking up at him with an expression of horror. "'My dear Basil, surely you don't think it was a vulgar accident?' "'Of course she killed herself. It is one of the great romantic tragedies of the age. As a rule, people who act lead the most commonplace lives. They are good husbands, or faithful wives, or something tedious. "'You know what I mean.' middle-class virtue, and all that kind of thing—how different Sybil was. She lived her finest tragedy. She was always a heroine. The night she played—the night you saw her—she acted badly because she had known the reality of love. When she knew its unreality, she died, as Juliet might have died. She passed into the sphere of art. There is something of the martyr about her. Her death has all the pathetic uselessness of martyrdom, all its wasted beauty. But, as I was saying, you must not think I have not suffered. If you had come in yesterday at a particular moment, about half-past five, perhaps, or a quarter to six, you would have found me in tears. Even Harry, who was here, who brought me the news, in fact, had no idea what I was going through. I suffered immensely. Then he passed away. "'I cannot repeat an emotion. No one can, except sentimentalists. And you are awfully unjust, Basil. You come down here to console me. That is charming of you. You find me consoled, and you are furious.' Oh, like a sympathetic person. You remind me of a story Harry told me about a certain philanthropist who spent twenty years of his life in trying to get some grievance redressed or some unjust law altered. I forget exactly what it was. Finally, he succeeded, and nothing could exceed his disappointment. He had absolutely nothing to do, almost died of ennui, and became a confirmed misanthrope. And besides, my dear old Basil, if you really want to console me, teach me rather to forget what has happened, or to see it uh, from a proper artistic point of view. Was it not Gautier who used to write about uh, La Consolation d'Art? I remember picking up a little vellum-coloured book in your studio one day and chancing on that delightful phrase. Well. I'm not like that young man you told me of when we were down at Marlow together, the young man who used to say that yellow satin could console one for all the miseries of life. I love beautiful things that one can touch and handle—old brocades, green bronzes, uh, lacquer-work, carved ivories, exquisite surroundings, uh, luxury, pomp—there is much to be gotten from all of these. But the artistic temperament that they create, or at any rate, reveal, is still more to me. To become the spectator of one's own life, as Harry says, is to escape the suffering of life. I know you are surprised at my talking to you like this. You have not realized how I have developed. I was a schoolboy when you knew me. I am a man now. I have new passions, new thoughts, new ideas. I am different. But you must not like me less. I am changed, but "'You must always be my friend. "'Of course I'm very fond of Harry, "'but I know that you are better than he is. "'You are not stronger, "'too much afraid of life, "'but you are better. "'And how happy we used to be together. "'Don't leave me, Basil, "'and don't quarrel with me. "'I am what I am. "'There is nothing more to be said.' "'Hallward felt strangely moved.' Rugged and straightforward as he was, there was something in his nature that was purely feminine in its tenderness. The lad was infinitely dear to him, and his personality had been the great turning point of his art. He could not bear the idea of reproaching him any more. After all, his indifference was probably merely a mood that would pass away. There was so much in him that was good, so much in him that was noble. "'Well, Dorian,' he said at length, with a sad smile, "'I won't speak to you again about this horrible thing, after to-day. "'I only trust your name won't be mentioned in connection with it. "'The inquest is to take place this afternoon. Have they summoned you?' "'Dorian shook his head, and a look of annoyance passed over his face at the mention of the word inquest. "'There was something so crude and vulgar about everything of the kind. "'They don't know my name,' he answered. "'but surely she did. "'Only my Christian name, "'and that I am quite sure she never mentioned anyone. "'She told me once that they were all rather curious "'to learn who I was, "'and that she invariably told them my name was Prince Charming. "'It was very pretty of her. "'You must do me a drawing of her, Basil. "'I should like to have something more of her "'than the memory of a few kisses "'and some broken, pathetic words.' "'I will try and do something, Dorian, if it would please you. "'But you must come and sit to me yourself again. "'I can't get on without you.' "'I'll never sit to you again, Basil.' "'It is impossible,' he exclaimed, starting back. "'Hallward stared at him. "'My dear boy, what nonsense!' he cried. "'Do you mean to say you don't like what I did of you?' "'Where is it?' "'Why have you pulled that screen in front of it? "'Let me look at it. "'It is the best thing I have ever painted. "'Do take that screen away, Dorian. "'It is simply horrid of your servant hiding my work like that. "'I felt that the room looked different as I came in.' "'My servant has nothing to do with it, Basil. "'You don't imagine I let him arrange my room for me? "'He settles my flowers for me sometimes, that is all. "'No, I did it myself. "'The light was too strong.' on the portrait. "'Too strong? Impossible, my dear fellow. It is an admirable place for it. Let me see it.' And Hallward walked towards the corner of the room. A cry of terror broke from Dorian Gray's lips, and he rushed between Hallward and the screen. "'Basil,' he said, looking very pale, "'you must not look at it. I don't wish you to.' "'Not look at my own work?' "'You are not serious. Why shouldn't I look at it?' exclaimed Hallward, laughing. If you try to look at it, Basil, on my word of honor, I will never speak to you again as long as I live. I am quite serious. I don't offer an explanation, and you are not to ask for any. But remember, if you touch this screen, everything is over between us. Hallward was thunderstruck. He looked at Dorian in absolute amazement. He had never seen him like this before. The lad was absolutely pallid with rage. His hands were clenched, and the pupils of his eyes were like discs of blue fire. He was trembling all over. "'Dorian? Don't speak!' "'But what is the matter?' "'Of course I won't look at it if you don't want me to,' he said, rather coldly, turning on his heel and going over towards the window. But really it seems rather absurd that I shouldn't see my own work, especially as I'm going to exhibit it in Paris in the autumn.' "'I should probably have to give it another coat of varnish before that, "'so I must see it some day. "'And why not to-day?' "'To exhibit it?' "'You want to exhibit it?' exclaimed Dorian Gray, "'a strange sense of terror creeping over him. "'Was the world going to be shown his secret? "'Were people to gape at the mystery of his life? "'That was impossible. "'Something, he did not know what.' had to be done at once. Yes. I don't suppose you will object to that. Georges Petit is going to collect all my best pictures for a special exhibition in the Rue de Cez, which will open the first week in October. The portrait will only be away a month. I should think you could easily spare it for that time. In fact, you are sure to be out of town. And, if you hide it always behind a screen, you can't care much about it. Dorian Gray passed his hand over his head. There were beads of perspiration there. He felt that he was on the brink of a horrible danger. You told me a month ago that you would never exhibit it. Why have you changed your mind? You people who go in for being consistent have just as many moods as others. The only difference is that your moods are rather meaningless.' You can't have forgotten that you assured me most solemnly that nothing in the world would induce you to send it to any exhibition. You told Harry exactly the same thing. He stopped suddenly, and a gleam of light came into his eyes. He remembered that Lord Henry had said to him once, half seriously and half in jest, If you want to have an interesting quarter of an hour, get Basil to tell you why he won't exhibit your picture. He told me why he wouldn't, and it was a revelation to me. "'Yes, perhaps Basil, too, had a secret. "'He would ask him and try. "'Basil,' he said, coming over quite close "'and looking him straight in the face, "'we have each of us a secret. "'Let me know yours, and I will tell you mine. "'What was your reason for refusing to exhibit my picture?' "'Hallward shuddered in spite of himself. "'Dorian!' "'If I told you, you might like me less than you do, "'and you would certainly laugh at me. "'I could not bear your doing either of those two things. "'If you wish me to never look at your picture again, I am content. "'I have always you to look at. "'If you wish the best work I have ever done "'to be hidden from the world, I am satisfied. "'Your friendship is dearer to me than any fame or reputation.' "'No, Basil, you must tell me,' murmured Dorian Gray. "'I think I have a right to know.' His feeling of terror had passed away, and curiosity had taken its place. He was determined to find out Basil Hallward's mystery. "'Let us sit down, Dorian,' said Hallward, looking pale and pained. "'Let us sit down. "'I will sit in the shadow, and you shall sit in the sunlight. "'Our lives are like that. "'Just answer me one question. "'Have you noticed in the picture something that you did not like?' "'Something that probably at first did not strike you, "'but that revealed itself to you suddenly?' Basil cried the lad, "'clutching the arms of his chair with trembling hands "'and gazing at him with wild startled eyes. "'I see you did. Don't speak. "'Wait till you hear what I have to say. "'It is quite true that I have worshipped you "'with far more romance of feeling "'than a man usually gives to a friend.' Somehow, I had never loved a woman. I suppose I never had time. Perhaps, as Harry says, grand passion is the privilege of those who have nothing to do, and that is the use of idle classes in a country. Well, for the moment I met you, your personality had the most extraordinary influence over me. I admit that I adored you madly, extravagantly, absurdly, I was jealous of everyone to whom you spoke. I wanted to have you all to myself. I was only happy when I was with you. When I was away from you, you were still present in my art. It was all wrong and foolish. It is all wrong and foolish still. Of course, I never let you know anything about this. It would have been impossible. You would not have understood it. I did not understand it myself. One day, I determined to paint a wonderful portrait of you. It was to have been my masterpiece. It is my masterpiece. But as I worked at it, every flake and film of colour seemed to reveal my secret. I grew afraid that the world would know of my idolatry. I felt, Dorian, that I had told too much. Then it was that I resolved never to allow the picture to be exhibited. You were a little annoyed but that you did not realize all that it meant to me. Harry, to whom I talked about it, laughed at me. But I did not mind that. When the picture was finished, and I sat alone with it, I felt that I was right. Well, after a few days, the portrait left my studio, and as soon as I had got rid of the intolerable fascination of its presence, it seemed to me that I had been foolish in imagining that I had not said anything in it. More than you were extremely good-looking and that I could paint. Even now I cannot help feeling that it is a mistake to think that the passion one feels in creation is ever really shown in the work one creates. Art is more abstract than we fancy. Form and colour tell us of form and colour, that is all. It often seems to me that art conceals the artist far more completely than it ever reveals him. And so when I got this offer from Paris, I determined to make your portrait the principal thing in my exhibition. It never occurred to me that you would refuse. I see now that you are right. The picture must not be shown. You must not be angry with me, Dorian, for what I have told you. As I said to Harry once, you were made to be worshipped. Dorian Gray drew a long breath. The colour came back to his cheeks, and a smile played across his lips. The peril was over. He was safe for the time. Yet he could not help feel infinite pity for the young man who had just made this strange confession to him. He wondered if he would ever be so dominated by the personality of a friend. Lord Harry had the charm of being very dangerous, but that was all. He was too clever and too cynical to be really fond of. Would there ever be some one who would fill him with a strange idolatry? Was that one of the things that life had in store? It is extraordinary to me, Dorian, said Hallward, that you should have seen this in the picture. Did you really see it? Of course I did. Well, you don't mind my looking at it now?" Dorian Gray shook his head. "You must not ask me that, Basil. I could not possibly let you stand in front of that picture. You will some day, surely. Never. Well, perhaps you are right. And now good bye, Dorian. You have been the one person in my life of whom I have been really fond. I don't suppose I shall often see you again. You don't know what it cost me to tell you all that I have told you. My dear Basil, cried Dorian, what have you told me? Simply that you felt that you liked me too much? That is not even a compliment. It was not intended as a compliment. It was a confession, a very disappointing one. "'Why, what did you expect, Dorian?' "'You didn't see anything else in that picture, did you? "'There's nothing else to see?' "'No, there was nothing else to see. "'Why do you ask? "'But you mustn't talk about not meeting me again, "'or anything of that kind. "'You and I are friends, Basil.' "'We must always remain so.' "'You've got Harry,' said Hallward sadly. "'Oh, Harry!' cried the lad with a ripple of laughter. Harry spends his days in saying what is incredible, and his evenings in doing what is improbable. Just the sort of life I would like to lead, but still I don't think I would go to Harry if I was in trouble. I would sooner go to you, Basil. But you won't sit to me again? Impossible. You spoil my life as an artist by refusing, Dorian. No man, no man, "'comes across two ideal things. "'View comes across one. "'I can't explain it to you, Basil, "'but I must never sit to you again. "'I will come and have tea with you. "'This will be just as pleasant. "'Pleasanter for you, I'm afraid,' murmured Hallward regretfully. "'And now good-bye. "'I am sorry you won't let me look at the picture once again, "'but that can't be helped. "'I quite understand what you feel about it.' "'As he left the room,' Dorian Gray smiled to himself. Poor Basil! How little he knew of the true reason! And how strange it was that, instead of being forced to reveal his own secret, he had succeeded almost by chance in wrestling a secret from his friend. How much that strange confession explained to him! Basil's absurd fits of jealousy, his wild devotion! his extravagant panegyrics, his curious reticences. He understood them all now, and he felt sorry. There was something tragic in a friendship so coloured by romance. He sighed and touched the bell. The portrait must be hidden away at all costs. He could not run such a risk of discovery again. It had been mad of him to have the thing remain, even for an hour, in a room to which any of his friends... Had access end of Chapter 7 of the Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde.